0: Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used
1: or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title Seventeen. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Brian. And I'm Ron. And this is our review of Screen 3 starring David Arquette, Courtney Cox Arquette. Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Lance Hendrickson, Matt Kiesler, Jenny McCarthy, Emily Mortimer, Parker Posey, Dion Richmond, Patrick Warburton, and Nev Campbell. Written by Aaron Kruger, directed by Wes Craven, released in 2000 on a budget of $60 million, grossed $161.8 million at the box office. So for the third time in a row, a massive hit. Once again, Muramax, you know, knocks it out of the park with this big thing, but the intention here was to wrap it all up. And what I find amazing about this one, guys, is that we replaced the writer here. I mean, they Williamson turned in a draft. Then they pretty much said, nah, not interested. And then they went and got Aaron Kruger. So that, that to me is, uh, I don't know. It's a sign of things to note about this film immediately. (laughs)
0: yeah throwing out the uh the the creative vision of the guy behind the first two movies is probably a bad idea of course the the Wikipedia says that it was because he was too busy with his many other projects, so he gave his notes to Aaron Kruger, who promptly blew his nose on them, <laughs> threw them in the furnace at elm street <laughs> at, at the Elm Street middle school or whatever elementary school, and then yeah. you know, regurgitated this thing It's a- among many problems this film had
1: had a transformer stomp on him or something we'll get to aaron krueger in a second but yeah I, you know all the things kevin williamson had going on at the time dawson's creek teaching Ms. tingle which i have seen and it's not bad it's okay um i'm not a huge fan of it but i i kind of like that one but uh yeah he was too busy to do this anymore so they decided hey we're gonna go with somebody else and i look i know aaron krueger i you know, he's written a lot of the Transformers films like he's did three out of the five. And he's he his big spec script that got him like hot in Hollywood was for a movie called a reindeer games with Ben Affleck. Either of you ever seen that one? Oh, I no? love that Christmas classic. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll have to hit it up around Christmas time then, because uh, it's it's the thing that got him noticed. But also he had a script that got made by um uh, Mark Pellington. And it's a movie I happen to really like called Arlington road. Have either of you ever seen that one? Nope. That one I have not seen. Uh, I good, think I own it. Good conspiracy thriller. Remember, I think I told you to buy it, Brian, if I may be responsible yeah, I mean, for that.
2: Could so, be, <laughs> but you're, it's but Tom you're Hanks, right?
1: No, 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 it's, no, it's This one's uh Jeff Bridges and, and yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I own that.
0: Well, you're, you're kind of, uh, he would uh, later go on to do, of course, The Ring and The Ring 2 yep. and Rings.
1: Right, right. Which I have not seen Rings, but I have seen The Ring and The Ring 2 and uh, for better or for worse on, on either one. But yeah, um the guy works. I mean, he gets, he gets around and works in Hollywood, right? So you bring in this, this Hollywood script writer, doctor, genius, whatever. And Wes Craven's back and Wes Craven did not want to do this. Should be noted. Wes was like not interested, but I'll do it if you'll let me do my passion project. Do either of you know what that was?
0: Uh, Soul Survivor?
1: Nope. Music of the Heart. <laughs> Starring NSYNC and Meryl Streep. What? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. 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 He wanted to do that. And it was one of those, I'll do yours if you'll do one for me. And they all said, sure. And this, that, this is what came with that guys. This is, uh, this was why he was on this movie. And, um, I guess we could get into that (laughs) later on down the line, but yeah, Wes didn't want to be here. Kevin Williamson didn't want to be here, so he just peaced out on it. Um, Nev Campbell didn't want to be here. Nev had a whole lot of other stuff going on. Matter of fact, had her hair done totally different, so they had to throw a wig on her for the twenty days she shot. Like she was not it's kinda like Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween too, Brian. You know, remember how we talked about she just sort of dropped out of the movie? She just did it because she sort of had to but was not interested in doing this. And I think it shows too. Gosh, you watched this movie and it's like, boy, somebody really doesn't want to be here. And, uh, it, I mean, it's all over it. It's, it's hard to not notice it.
2: Man, I don't know. Uh, she, she got paid, right?
1: Yeah, but not a
2: lot.
0: But that's not even, I mean, isn't the big story about the, how, Columbine, the Columbine shooting ruined this movie? Well, there,
1: yeah, that's what I was getting to. I was hoping one of you bring it up and I didn't have to. Yeah, go with that, Ron, if you know the story.
0: As someone who was once rumored to be a Columbine-style school shooter, I'll go for that story. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> um, yeah, well, high school was fun. Anyway, um, yes, the right before production started, the Columbine high school shooting happened and that's why they threw most of kevin williamson's notes out uh because they were going to go back, back to woodsboro um they thought that having the uh, association with the a high school setting like in the first one would attract a bunch of criticism blaming violence on the movie production um yeah Uh, And so instead of doing a horror movie, they wanted to do – they tried to make it more of a comedy, uh, more of an act. They threw out the part where Sidney Prescott was going to be more of an action-oriented heroine uh, simply because – probably because they didn't have her and because Wes Craven didn't like the idea. Um, And at one point, I believe what they wanted to do – was uh, to have no blood in the movie. And Wes Craven said, you clearly can't do that.
1: Yeah, and they certainly didn't adhere to that. There's This movie's dripping in corn syrup. I mean, in, and there you know, was a the one.
0: <laughs> and there was also a scene that Kevin Williamson would recycle for one of my favorite shows, The Following. Uh, there was supposed to be a... Uh, the original script had a stab fan club of kids from Woodsboro and all of the members of the fan club would have been involved in the killings and the final twist of the movie would have been when Sydney walked into the house after Ghostface had killed everyone and they all sat up and they had all planned the thing and presumably killed her and Kevin Williamson stole that idea and replaced it with creepy Joe Carroll masks for the following –
1: it's a very good television show into the little unevenly, but first season is is gold for television i'll I'll put my endorsement on that one too ron it's a great show, a lot of suspense and look i I get the idea Williamson wanted to wanted to end this and if you hear him talk he's like well I always thought of a trilogy and that's bullshit and we can all know it right now and nobody ever thought the first one would do anything the fact that it did <laughs> after that they had ideas and they went with it and we we talked about last time that the script got compromised and so that led to a lot of changes and stuff and what's interesting to me here and you mentioned it Ron is they went for more comedy but it's almost like they're parodying themselves which there's already a parody of this they're scary movie at this point so they're a parody of a parody it's like so self-reflexive it falls in on itself some ways it I, i don't know what what else to say about it in prelude other than i remember when this one was getting hyped and i thought okay we're going back one more time the trailers looked pretty good i thought okay can't be that bad sure i went and saw this on a date in theaters, and let me just tell you, not exactly a good date flick, okay? <laughs> not what you want to, you know, <laughs> didn't, did not go uh, as planned. Um, mostly, and, I, and I'll talk about this somewhere, but I, you really miss Kevin Williams's like, Touch with dialogue in this, like they just replace it with people dropping the f bomb every twelve seconds. Like that's the only thing they know to do. It's like just let them curse, you know. And that's what everybody does <laughs> throughout this film. And boy, we get a real uneven thing here, in, in my opinion. I mean, I, I remember walking out of the theater going, eh, "I don't know about this. I just, I, I felt weird about it." do either of you remember seeing it when it came out or did you, did you wait for video video for me? Uh,
0: this is the first time I've ever seen it. So I came wow. in, I came in dry for this one. Oh, wow. And I will say it's probably the third funniest, uh, scary, uh, movie in the scary movie franchise. <laughs> if you want to class it as a comedy.
1: Yeah, I think it, 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 probably works better on that level than anything. And I do think Columbine certainly influenced that. And, uh, along the way as it did with many other things at the time. I mean, it's just, it was hard not to be influenced by that. Uh, it's particularly in popular culture with the way things got portrayed and the, how everything went. But, uh, gosh, I, you know, I, like I say I remember seeing this and then I promptly forgot it. I think I've seen this maybe three or four times all the way through, including this time to watch it for, for this. And, um, Wow, I mean, I think I texted one of you that I realized we were in for a rough day because there was a Creed song in the first ten minutes, and I just no, yeah, he kn- said
2: there are two Creed songs. Yeah,
1: yeah, I just knew that there was going to be a problem. Uh, we can get to that. So, Brian, it's your turn now. Uh, hit us up with a plot summary. Tell everybody what Scream Three is about.
2: Sydney Prescott lives a life of seclusion in the California mountains, working as a crisis counselor and shielding herself from the dangers of the outside world. Meanwhile, Stab Three. Return to Woodsboro is being filmed in Los Angeles, and another ghost-faced killer reads the script and is murdering the characters in the same order that they die in the movie, starting with real-life Cotton Weary, who is cameoing as himself in the film. Predicting who will die next is not as simple as it might seem, though, since the producers have three different screenplays with different endings. Turns out the whole thing is orchestrated by the director, Roman Bridger, who is the illegitimate son of Maureen Prescott, Sydney's mom, who had him during her short time in Hollywood. After Maureen rejects him four years prior, he learns of her philandering ways, uses the affair with Billy Loomis's father to motivate Billy and Stu I lost my spot. Billy and Stu to start the murder spree in the first movie. Also, he can rob Sydney of everything she had that he didn't have and ultimately kill her. In a showdown at a Hollywood mansion, Sydney finally gets the best of Roman and stabs him with an ice pick. Hmm, sounds a lot like uh, basic instinct. <laughs> Dewey steps in and finishes finishes him off with a gunshot to the head. In the end, we see Gale and Dewey get engaged and Sidney, along with the detective from Hollywood, settle in to watch a movie with Sidney no longer obsessed with locking herself from the outside world.
1: Ooh, Good summary, and I think kind of the quick way through the movie. That's certainly what, what you gave us there, because there's a whole lot else that happens. We talk a lot about Sydney in this plot summary, and that's funny because she's barely in the damn thing.
0: Yeah, She's very much the poochie of this movie. Whenever she's not on screen, people are talking about her.
1: Yeah, they, like it's a, it's an obsession everyone has with her, I think, but they don't know what to do with her. And uh, again, she wasn't available so that, you know, it's not like they could just make it up where she could be there. So it, they, they dealt with what they had and the focus goes on the Arquettes here. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about them a lot, but, um, it's one of my, It's one of my memories of this film and it's also one of the things I remember not liking about this film was that hair. Well, no, it had a lot of arcade in it. Yeah, we're gonna get that bad hair too. But yeah, that it had a whole (laughs) lot of arcade in it and uh, maybe it didn't need it, so we gotta talk about the opening though, guys, because we catch up with our old friend cotton weary and i feel like lieb schreiber here is doing a riff on how he feels about being in this movie because he's talking about how he wishes they could just write him a decent part and he has to do a cameo in a a crappy slasher flick because he's you know this that and the other and cotton has become heraldo ish but more sleazy like morton downey jr style
0: no he's a totally a maury povich rib
1: okay you think you think 100 percent cotton is maury povich
0: Oh yeah, right down to the uh, weird ribbed formal T-shirt that he's wearing under his giant two thousand <laughs> suit.
1: The thing I was told about that was that he had been working out for like other roles and he wanted a tight shirt to show off the physique. So they—that's what they let him wear, and so that's where that went. I mean, he kind of ripped in this. You can't knock it. So,
0: I mean, I don't believe that at all because I think I had a shirt like that two thousand. <laughs> so i'm pretty sure I'm, definitely I had one not too.
1: I'm pretty sure i had one too it was a thing like the the henley like slack henley or whatever we called it at the time uh, yeah i think that's probably what it was but i don't know man it, it we get cotton on the phone here and is it me guys or is voice scream person like a lot more chatty this time
2: no i think he's the same
0: No, he's I I think I'm going to agree with you. I think he's a lot more chatty because I think it's really cheap to have a guy sit in a booth and say creepy sounding things. And it's a great way to kind of get around the fact that you don't have your movie planned out before you start making it and you need to cut it together in the editing room.
2: Well, I I don't know. I mean, if you watch the first one, he was really chatty in that one.
0: It wasn't the first bit, but it's
1: just it's a bit of a change, though, because it's more it's a little more aggressive, but it it dies off. That's the thing is like it's chatty, but then it stops being chatty because I guess Roman got bored. I mean, I don't know. know, Well, I
2: mean, uh, he's got the new ultimate voice coder um, that (laughs) you can only buy in Target or something that has all of their voices programmed in. So he's basically trying to lull them to where he can murder them. And so... You gotta kind of be chatty that way.
1: Right. Let's talk about that. The fact that there are multiple voices now that can be performed by this wizardry, um, as as it were. I I found that to be a, a real change of pace from things like I yeah. I didn't expect that because and some of it. I mean, I understand how it works. Like, I get the tech of it right, but I don't understand how the character actually had access to some of those voices that it does. Like who? Okay. Later on it does Marguerite Prescott. And
2: yeah, that's easy enough.
1: How did they get voices from her? She was a nothing She was actress. in the Hollywood.
0: She did three movies.
2: Yeah. They can pull her voice out of there, analyze it, program it.
0: Wow. I okay. Uh, plus he did plus he did have an actual like face to face confrontation with her, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, I don't
2: how, know, how much do he actually record? Indeed. Ever? <laughs> I mean, that's the. Well, well, he doesn't. He doesn't really need to record. I mean, they'll take the voices, they'll analyze it through the computers, they'll match it with the frequencies, and they'll output it. This
1: is 2000, though, guys. Did they have but that?
2: 2000
0: was. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Of they did. Okay. This is right. a this is a guy working in Hollywood. He's got access to all kinds of expensive top sound notch. Equipment. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's that's an interesting take, but I do I'll give the the opening thing this where we get cotton right is Ghostface Roman as it is traps him in his like sleazy ways like he starts coming on to him and then starts telling him I'm going to murder your girlfriend the mom from Gossip Girl in the shower who's walking on a hardwood floor with wet feet so she deserves to die anyway.
2: Well, he's got to get him hooked in his ego, right, to get him involved in the conversation. And then, uh, you know, he gets uh, excited and he ruins it for him.
1: Of course, right? It's it's
2: like bringing him to the point of climax and then uh, stopping. Are you saying that Ghostface is trying to edge cotton? No, <laughs> but in his in his ego, <laughs> edge cotton. It's <laughs> ego. It's the same thing, right? He's I, yeah. He's stroking the ego to where he's about to, you know burst with joy and then boom hits them hard
1: so i i found it interesting too that christine has to yell at not cotton to not be playing one of his quote stab games and i just i thought wow of all the things you know you would want a fantasy role play maybe the time you were set up for murder is not the one you want to repeat
2: well, he wasn't set up for murder in the stab games. He was that was before the stab games.
1: It's the for the thing that set the stab universe into motion in real life. That's what I'm saying. you're actually right. giving him a pass for this? Holy cow.
0: I, I'm gonna all right, all right. Here's my take on the stab games I was told by my wife who mentioned the stab games and how horrible of an idea it was. Here's my here, here's my thought. How much time did Cotton Weary spend in prison? A year, a year, year one, and a half, one year, yeah. one year. Yeah. Okay. Prison changes a man, <laughs> and these stab games ended up with Cotton Weary on the wrong side of a Marillade because it reminds him of prison. Oh. So, okay. My joke is there's some. Uh, my thought is that this ends with some butt shenanigans that he likes and she's not super into. Wow.
1: Now this he's has a become a he's 50 a TV shades star. movie all of a sudden. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> wow. hey, I wasn't gonna go hey,
0: there. You but... guys started this off with your talk of edging. I'm just taking it <laughs> to the next logical progression, which is a.
1: you know what? It's fair game, you're correct.
0: But uh either way, it and, I think it And let's I mean let's be honest. Who he's wearing like a cream suit and he's living <laughs> in a house full of posters of himself. Yes. I mean, this guy's into some weird stuff. He's got to be.
1: He's self-centered, no doubt about that, right? Like that was, you know, we'd known that. It's the fact that we've got to recreate that beginning again, where somebody coming back, that's going to get killed. Cause we didn't do that last time. Like we introduced new characters and killed them in the beginning. And that was the kickoff. So now we're it's supposed to set this tone that, you know, all bets are off. Anybody can die. In fact, Randy's going to do that for us later in videotape form. So it's supposed to set us into this mood. And I'll have to say the best kills in the movie are here. Like, I think this is the best attack and kill in the movie. It's pretty violent and it, it works pretty well. And the whole thing is Ghostface wants to know where Sydney. And so that automatically lets us know she's not in the picture anymore. We, we don't know where she is. Oh, what are we going to do? And that, that does set the movie into motion. I mean, this movie wastes no time getting into what it's going to do. Like it doesn't really start to drag until much later into the second act. The first act is a shot out of a cannon.
2: Which is what you need to do to get people involved.
1: Well, yeah, in part three, you would think, right? Like you, at that point, you just, you got to go right into it. Kind of like Friday the 13th, part three did, right? I mean, it was just, we were right into it and people were getting killed with rabbits and snakes and all kinds of other stuff, you know? So <clears throat> we were right into that. But we do catch up with Sydney here and, you know, where's Sydney? She's, she's hanging out in the mountains. And I wrote in my notes, I was like, man, stab residuals must pay really good. That's a nice house.
0: And it's clearly on some land because we see her at the end of the movie walking down what looks like a long dirt road. So I think she's doing pretty well for herself.
1: Yeah, and look, I'm going to go ahead and applaud the career choice here. This is much more Sydney. You know, crisis counselor, yes, I can see this. Like, that makes total sense. Not actress. Like that, that didn't and, and,
0: and, and apparently she graduated from college and got some sort of degree in counseling in four years she must have been on one of those uh, fast track programs yeah accelerated programs
1: something like that maybe there's you know like you have that rule if your roommate dies you get straight a's maybe like with everybody getting murdered around it like look you can go ahead and have the ba just come back for graduate school <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: if your whole family gets murdered you get a free master's degree
1: maybe that. your boyfriend gets shot in front of you and you shoot another person in the head before you're twenty birthday yeah free master's degree that's you qualify so but anyway I, I like the new sydney here though and i like the fact that she's she's i mean she seems to be comfortable in this skin for herself like she's not doing things that put her at risk or make her seem like she's out of water anymore i i kind of like that turn of the character i just wish there could have been more of her because i you know she's she's the central point of all of this and then we just don't get her anymore
0: This, it's weird that this movie is a showcase for one of the biggest stars on TV and then WCW champion David Arquette. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. I would agree with that statement, yes. It does seem kind of odd.
0: I can understand building a movie around Courtney Cox. I'm sure she's a very fine actress. I don't think she's movie quality, but she's charming enough. Uh, But... Man, David Arquette. Yeah, he's bad talk, in this. Talk, talk about yeah. making you miss Jamie Kennedy.
1: <laughs> Yo, Mm-mm. oh, I, the four seconds we get of Jamie Kennedy, I was like, oh, why did Randy have to die last time? Like, it's just, it's so evident that that energy is not there anymore, and Arquette is just—he's terrible in this. Like, he's—I—I—is this before his championship run, Brian, or after?
2: Depends. When did it come out? This came out in 2000. It would have been filmed before.
1: Yeah. For sure. But when it came out, February 2000, yeah, that
2: would yeah. be before.
1: It was supposed to be in December. They moved it out a little bit to finish post-production and to also distance from the... I mean, the Columbine thing, y'all, happened in April. That lasted through the end of the year, really. So they, they wanted to like get into February. And there's also... You can make that theory about you know studios drop stuff in January and February because they don't know what else to do with it. <laughs> and so maybe they looked at it and they're like, eh, we'll just throw that in February It'll, and look, it made a lot of money. So clearly that
0: worked, but can, uh, can we talk about how they apparently shot two hours of, of Randy footage to put together that three minute scene? Uh,
1: you're kidding me. I didn't know that. Wow.
0: Yes. They apparently, they apparently shot, um, uh, Two hours of footage just to have Randy on the screen. Um, that's among many of the things they did. They shot that opening a couple of different times, uh, varying the amount of violence and the, the successful ability of Cotton Weary to fight off Ghostface, uh, which, as we talked about before we started recording, Leah Schreiber's literally half a foot taller and probably 50 pounds heavier than the person playing in the ghost face mask. So, you know, it's, it's a kind of a ridiculous fight scene in and of itself. And then they also shot three different versions of that stupid epilogue scene at the end of the movie.
1: Oh, with the, you have to come and watch it with me, Sid. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, we're going to talk about Patrick Dempsey in a second, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Patrick Dempsey has absolutely ridiculous. Hair. So, All right. So
1: you're so you're telling me Miramax had a production that shot way more film than necessary. Say so.
2: <laughs> so. I know what you're saying, right?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, really, but no. Like this whole thing seems like uh, let's take every chance we can to just throw everybody we've got into this thing. Like, okay, first first things first, we we got to talk about Gail Weathers and her, that lousy haircut. Boy, speaking of hair Boy, who on earth thought that was a good idea Uh, Not not a good look Not a good look for Courtney in this at all Yeah, that was the
0: Oh yeah, that was the um, We're literally like, I don't know five minutes into the movie and I'm already sitting on my couch making fun of it, starting with how she cuts her own hair (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, does she have a Floby contract or something? Like, it's bad. And she's like doing that, that standard lecture in the college. And I love that one guy that calls her out on it. And I wish there could have been more of that. Like, so what you're saying is step over all the dead bodies on your way to the top? <laughs> like you did? Yeah, pretty much. I was like, wow. So <laughs> Gail, we find out later failed at 60 minutes too, but she's on like total entertainment, which I guess is like entertainment tonight. That's what she's the thing
0: of now. Did you know that the uh, students who confronts Gale is none other than yet another Arquette, Richmond Arquette? <laughs>
1: How many are there? <laughs> so
2: I feel you don't like I feel like the right, Ar- the, the Arquettes time.
1: and the Baldwins could have had a hell of an eight man tag action going on back in the day, but um though I'd give the edge to the Baldwins for just being a little more beefy. So, of people, but you never know. It depends on how the booking committee goes. Also a bunch of assholes, though. So. <laughs> but speaking yeah, of the Boltzmann's
0: aren't selling for the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you,
1: you are correct. And as is no one, like, the performance here, though, too. Like, it's as bad as her haircut. Like Courtney Cox, I think you're right, Ryan, is good in certain things. And there are things on television where she's really good. Like she was, she was good on Friends. I didn't watch that show. I didn't care for it, but I, what I've seen of it, she's fine in it. I did like her in Cougar Town. And then she was in that other show that was like a tabloid thing on FX. She was, I can't remember the name of it the now. The Dirt. There we go. The Dirt. And she was good in that. And I'm like, you know what? She's fine in, in that kind of thing. Like she's not, you know, a big movie star, but whatever. Not, not everybody is. She's mostly fine, but she's giving a bad performance behind a bad look. And, and I'm going, honey, they put the movie on you and your dude here. And you two are not giving me anything to care about. And I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I had a real, real like first time I felt like I really want Gail to die. Like, and not like, you know, I don't <laughs> want Courtney Cox to die, but I'm like, why can't Gail die in the opening? Like that would have been awesome. Who gives a crap about Cotton Weary anymore? Like, why couldn't Gail have bought it? Coming off of her, you know, sleazy TV show. Like, wouldn't that have made more of an impact?
0: I I think it would have been a better movie if you kill Gail um, as well. Um, I don't think she knew that the movie was riding on her shoulders until it was done. I really don't think anyone told them, "Hey, look, we've only got Nev Campbell for like twenty days, so this is your movie, Courtney. Have fun with it." I think she thought. Most of her performance is going to end up on the cutting room floor, and they just kept everything.
1: Well, you think they couldn't have figured that out on the fact that you know who's not here, Nev? You know, like after they shot this for probably a hundred days, they couldn't figure out she wasn't there for any of it. I mean, yeah,
2: I don't. I, I think you guys are over analyzing it here. I well, mean, uh, yeah. Welcome to the you're, podcast. You're, you're working across <laughs> from David Arquette. Okay, <laughs> there's not a lot to work with on that. However. When he acts like a dumbass, which is normally what he does when he acts, uh, how do you play along? You act like a dumbass. So I think that they're trying to – I mean they are trying to set up the fact that these two have a really awkward relationship. And when they're around each other, they act weird, right? And uh, what I don't get is why they keep coming back to these two if they always hate each other at the end of the movies. Or after the movies, I should say, as are, are But old.
0: she should have gotten more mileage out of working alongside Parker Posey, because Parker Posey's great.
1: Okay, can we talk about that too now? Because I said it in, in when we were we were just chatting. That's the best thing in the movie. I think Parker Posey nails this. I mean, she's so much more interesting as Gale than Courtney Cox is as Gail. Like I like her character as the actress, the neurotic actress that brings Dewey around. So she can, she's basically just using him to be able to get inside the Gale head. And what we find out is she's the only person that's played the same character in all three stab movies. Everybody else is somebody new. You know, they David Swimmer left, and Tori Spelling didn't come back. I'm like, well, you can't get those people back. You know, we know what we're dealing with here. And now I the like Graham's the fact not
2: there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like the fact that she's like so into it, and she's such that stereotypical actress that's trying to get in the role. And stuff. And Parker Posey's just goofy and fun anyway. Like, her goofy I like. Courtney Cox trying to be goofy opposite of David Arquette is really, like, bad.
2: But but I think th- what they're trying to set up is that both of those two characters are actually really awkward people. I mean, obviously, Gail Weathers is a ruthless reporter, but when she's not reporting, she's just a weirdo, right? And I think that's what they're trying to do and and Parker Posey's character is just trying to be Gail Weather's on as the reporting person and this is Gail Weather's in her normal everyday life. Awkward, bizarre.
0: I mean, I can see why you make that argument, but I I don't think that's something that they successfully
2: pull off.
1: Yeah, the the, pro- yeah. the problem with it is that I'm not invested in Dewey and Gale's story. And they try to make us this way because they, they figure out that the killer is now killing people in the order that they die in the script. And we learn after some production is being shut down and stuff that Gale is supposed to die in stab three. All right. And so she dies next. Or maybe not, depending on the version of the script. So there's that little riff on that too. But that's supposed to like put us in peril. But unfortunately, I never felt like at any time Gail was like in danger.
2: You know? Well, they, didn't you want to know who the other two that were next to die were? Well, yeah, and they never. Should we know? Tell that? us.
1: Yes, they never. To thank you, Brian. They never tell it, and that's it's another one of those things. It's like the they're killing people in the style of the names, and then they just drop it. You know, I feel like uh. this, it's one of those things that got written in and then all of a sudden nah. and look, they started shooting this without a finished script. Kruger was like literally in an office banging out pages and faxing them over to the set as they were shooting this stuff. So I don't know how much that to sounds blame. just
2: like the movie in the movie.
1: Right. It's, well, and that's the thing is Wes Craven in his new nightmare super meta way. And also who is all he's thinking about is Meryl Streep and NSYNC, you know, at this point doesn't care. So the more inside it can be, that's why we have Jay and silent Bob walk across the damn screen,
2: you know, <laughs> yes. because what let's just hell. get
1: everybody from Miramax. Max
2: Connie there. Chun. <laughs> can we talk well, about Jenny McCarthy, a bad actress trying to play a bad actress? Was yeah, that not hilarious?
1: Yes. He complains about being killed in the second scene in the movie and is killed in her second scene.
2: It's phenomenal. That was and pretty funny. <laughs> the fact that she's sitting there reading these lines like a bad actress when that's probably her best acting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is even more hilarious.
1: No, I want to say my favorite part of that is Scott Foley, who just listens to her vetch on the phone. is like, mm, OK, let's run the scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I guess that's what care. every director <laughs> has to do. Right. Is well, we'll just run the scene. You know, we're just going to keep doing it. And I, I thought that was funny. And look, I liked her, her death. Apparently it was supposed to be much more gory and they had to cut it back a lot. Like she was going to get decapitated or something, but they, they cut that way back. But, uh, I, you know, it was fine, but then that's supposed to set everything again into this. We, we have to worry about what's going to happen with the gale, the real gale weathers. And we, we don't really know. Right. So it's, I, I mean, the thing is, they have this whole exposition scene where they are all sitting around going, "Somebody on this film is trying to find Sydney," and the problem with that is, we as an audience already know that information. We got it in the oh. opening with Cotton twice, and I'm like, "That's that's a waste of time, though."
2: Well, yeah, but that's all to set up the fact that they're trying to make it look like the the cop is the, the bad guy when she finds her file, right?
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and get into Patrick Dempsey. Ron, I know you have thoughts on him.
0: Oh, yeah. That is the most ludicrous hair that I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> it's about a step above Ronald Miller and Can't Buy Me Love. Uh, it's not much uh- Hello? Hey. Hello? I, okay, everybody turned into Mr. Roboto there for a second. I don't know what happened. but
2: uh, I lost everyone completely.
1: Okay, so last I said was he's just a step above Ronald Miller from Can't Buy Me Love.
0: It, it's just so – it's such distracting hair, and it completely – I don't look at a guy with that mop and see, like, a detective – I look at that a guy with that mop and see a waiter <laughs> wants to be an actor.
1: He does have that going on. You're, I was trying to figure out what is it about this guy that I'm not getting off of, and it wasn't just that he wasn't being a good detective. There was something else, and you're you're dead on. It is that he comes off more like a waiter than anything else. It's it is so ridiculous and he is like the most emotionally overwrought police officer in the building you know like he you know what's your favorite scary movie my life you know his partner's so much more interesting that guy's like got great lines like he was stabbed he was in a movie called stab it's related i liked that guy i hate that we didn't get more of him but
0: dempsey is yeah he's he's another uh, he's another element that just disappears from the movie entirely and it's I, it, it, to, to the movie's, like, eternal shame.
1: Yeah, like, I went in like, to the, the internet to try and figure out, did that guy get killed and I miss it? Like, what happened? And he just disappears. I guess he had other things to do.
0: He was probably busy with... Uh Party of Five or whatever friggin' show Nev Campbell had, I forget. (laughs) I don't
1: know what show he was on, so...
0: McDreamy's hair is a step above Ronald Miller's
1: in Can't Buy Me Love, and Ron, you were picking up from that, so...
0: Yeah, his hair is probably the most distracting thing in the movie to me, because that is the least detective hair I've ever seen in my life. It is. That's the hair of a... That's the hair of an actor slash waiter.
1: <laughs> he does French look like, waiter. Yes, he does look like he could be waiting table somewhere and not being a cop. And he's so like overly dramatic too. It's, you know, my life. So, you know, what's your favorite scary movie detective? My life. You know, I'm like, you're not a hard nosed cop. <laughs> like that is rede- his partner's great though. I love that guy. Do you think the killing had anything to do with the movie? He was stabbed. He was in a movie called stab. I love that dude. What happened to him? Did he die or did he just drop out of the film?
0: I think he was a forgotten plot point because, like you, that guy was, felt much more like an actual cop to me, and Patrick Dempsey just felt like Patrick Dempsey.
1: Right. Like, Look, I, I've gotten into watching that show Blue Bloods, and if Donnie Wahlberg can convince me he's a cop there's hope you know, for <laughs> acting and then I'm about to say Donnie Wahlberg's doing a better acting job than Patrick Dempsey. And I've seen Patrick Dempsey and stuff where he is good. That's the thing. It's not like he's just awful, but this, this was before Grey's Anatomy, right? Like this is, he was like nobody at this point. Did, would anybody even know who he was?
2: Uh, yeah, this That's was well there. before. I yeah, this was
0: well before, um, Crazy Anatomy, but uh, he'd been in some like garbage. He was in uh, the Fast Times TV series. Wow, he was I'd... in Meatballs. He was in Meatballs Three. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, this is the That's same fact. hair that he probably had in Can't Buy Me Love. So yeah, yeah.
1: it's not that big. they keep leaving these things though. There's all these pictures of Maureen Prescott at all the crime scenes, right? That They keep leaving around, and was it any surprise to either of you, like, did they deliver a backstory on her? And what did you make of her backstory, that she was this B-movie actress that got involved in a couple of orgies and then went to live in suburbia?
2: Shocking. No wonder she's a whore.
1: I mean, they could did have I say had, that out loud. They could have had Everclear oh, just do right. the Volvo driving soccer mom a few years early, because that's pretty much the plot Hell, of the yeah. song,
0: you know. I mean, a once song. a woman's had once a woman's had Lance Hendrickson, you can't go back to normal life. <laughs> <laughs> Lance, oh wow,
1: poor old Lance. <laughs> oh boy, genre whore Lance Hendrickson, <laughs> as I like to call I, him.
0: I did enjoy the uh, fake Terminator robot. Behind this
1: desk. Yeah, did you like that? Yeah, they couldn't get the real one. So I'm sure Cameron was like, <laughs> no. So, so they went with the the asylum ripoff or whatever that was the extermination machine or whatever that that thing's called. But yeah, I mean, we get we get all kinds of stuff. Like, here's the thing. We go back to Sydney for a minute here and she's doing her crisis line thing. And the the ghost face killer calls her. And I'm like, how did Ghostface, uh, your brother, get the number? Like that – they never – they never – He called her home. Yeah. I'm like, that's supposed to be unlisted, like hidden. How did he get that? Well,
2: there's always ways to find it. But, um, yeah, I think that they never told you how, and that was Sidney's worry is how he got the number, and we never resolved it, which whatever. But (laughs) on the backstory of Marine. Um, man, this woman was a real bitch. <laughs> I mean, she goes into Hollywood, she acts in a few movies, gets involved in orgies. She decides to leave, has a child in between there. Decides the child is fuck all, so who cares? And then goes, marries C- Sydney's dad, fucks around on him, and then we come back and. Little little boy shows up and she wants nothing to do with him. They're making her out to be this really mean bitch.
1: I mean, they weren't doing a lot for her reputation in that first movie when they talked about her flashing it around like Sharon Stone. And let's face it, nobody your brother. Well, was we Sharon saw Stone. that in this one, didn't we? Yeah well, yeah, well, at least we didn't see all of it. Thank goodness it wasn't a Rob <laughs> Zombie movie or something. But it's really like, th- yeah, they do make her out to be like the worst person.
2: Ever <laughs> and, and so why is Sydney care? <laughs> That's what, what I want to know. Like she's she's not a good woman. What do you
1: care? Isn't that part of her like plight though? In the first movie, was that she was coming to terms with the fact that maybe your mom was a big hoe? You know, like she has to deal with that.
2: So, yeah. Now you pile on top of it that she was uh, a a deadbeat mom. You know, like it, on top of that? That's the other part of in this, Hollywood,
1: though, that I, I do want to say, like, the idea, okay, we introduced the brother we never knew. Okay, now, I I can bang on that if I want, but then I have to retroactively say that I don't like that in any other thing, you know, the way I think, and, uh, you know, I've changed my opinion about some of that stuff. Brian, we talked about that when we were doing the Buffy show, Art of Slaying, like, at first, when I first saw Dawn, the character, come on in season five, I was like, No, nah, this sucks.
2: Watching it again, I'm like, However, oh, she's, yeah, she's pretty good, you know, so... I, Dawn I, Dawn was a mystical sister. Well no, not I, a I, real life. No, no, no.
1: I'm talking about the element in a in a in a story of let's introduce a new character to try to spice things up and and give you a twist you don't expect. Yeah. You know, I liked that in that sense and it can work in other places like that that's an old like Agatha Christie joke anyway it's my brother you didn't know from my other mother or whatever you know like that that's been around forever and i'm fine with that and i would have been fine with it here if i had ever known anything else about roman like how i mean you look i know he's upset his mom like you know didn't want anything to do with him he did not have a bad life guys he was a successful music video director he won awards he was clearly
0: well off I mean, he, he's shooting a feature film, and he's not even thirty.
1: Yeah, he did not grow up like in the slums of Beverly Hills or something. like This guy it, had a great life, and he's he's pissed because he finds out his real mother was kind of a hoe and doesn't want anything to do with him. Well, screw you, lady. I'm famous, and you live in Woodsboro.
2: You know, right, I mean? and in real life, this happens, guys. I mean, moms give. Babies up for adoption for multitudes of reasons, and they don't want to be found, right? Right. Sometimes, yeah, it works out great, and that's awesome for both parties involved, but there are definitely times when mom didn't mom gave you because she didn't want you and she doesn't want anything to do with you in real life because that'll just bring up bad memories well
1: and not to defend Maureen here a little bit but maybe she knew I cannot take care of a
2: kid by myself look at me and who's to say that who's to say that the kid wasn't uh, a result of these Hollywood orgies
1: well that's what they imply is that they screwed her two ways to Sunday or whatever this is what came of it which is so a nightmare on Elm Street thing
2: right like they They also make it sound like she was a none uh she did not want to participate in that
1: yeah did you get that feeling too
2: i got that feeling Ron, what about you i think that's what they were trying to
0: imply um but uh i don't know the whole time i was thinking well clearly he is uh that roman is the child of uh lance hendrickson and milton yeah yeah, I, John Milton. Yeah, uh,
1: they. I kind
0: of think they wanted to go there and then they didn't for whatever
1: reason. Maybe that was one of the things that got lost
0: in the. Yeah, I think they went there and then cut it out because they realized, oh wait, he's got to kill Lance Hendrickson. we like gotta that. we gotta slit his throat.
1: Right, and I mean like the in like not even a good. Wouldn't it have been thing.
2: better? Wouldn't it have been better if both Milton and. Uh, Roman were the killers together. Well,
1: That's what i was going to ask you guys. All this time, it's always been killers working in tandem, and this time it's one working alone. And what did what did y'all make of that? The
2: the fact that this I time thought it, it was one dumb. <laughs> I wanted I wanted I wanted Patrick Dempsey's character to be the other killer because it made all the sense in the world based on the little clues that they left.
1: Well, they, yeah, they sure played it up like he was.
0: I think that, that would have made sense.
2: That would have been better, too, because you don't – it's like
0: in the first movie how they had Liev Schreiber be in it, and he wasn't – or the and, or the second movie, excuse me, they had Liev Schreiber in it, and they didn't make him the killer because Liev Schreiber looks like a murderer. You can't put – if you put Lance Henderson <laughs> yeah. in your movie, he looks like he's murdered everyone. Yeah. He That's He looks true, like yeah. he's got piles of bodies just in that basement of his mansion.
2: And so that's why you get... In the mansion with a ton of secret passageways, by the way, so that makes even more creepy. Yeah, and, and this basement full of stuff stolen
0: from which, Tom Savini's yard sale.
1: Yeah, which, how did, like, Roman know his way around that house so well? I guess he and Milton had, like, a long relationship. Was that the what we were to believe and be implied there?
0: I think so. I thought for sure that they were going to have when they when they dragged Lance Hendrickson out and ripped the the tape off of his mouth or whatever, I thought for sure it was going to end up him saying something like, "Look, I had nothing to do with this. I'm gay." I just assumed that was yeah. what was going to happen, and they didn't go there, which was a kind of a surprise. Interesting.
1: Yeah, but I could have seen that too. I'm with you, Rod. That would have made some sense. Like I could, it, it
0: would have, and it would have made him more of like, "Hey, look, it was the '70s. Stuff happened." You know, uh, cocaine is the hell of a drug.
1: <laughs> right. That, well, that to then, me is, it. that's easier to believe than this rapey thing they had going on. Because that's just icky. It's like nobody wants to like, Ew. this movie hasn't been that way. This movie series has not been like that. It's whole time, right? Like even, they even dropped that off of Maureen early on and the, the way she was killed and stuff that, you know, she, she just had sex with Cotton because she was a big hoe and floozy. And then, you know, she got killed. Like, so that, that to me is like,
2: you're not movie. You don't, you didn't set up those rules for me.
1: Like that, that's well, not
2: how we're playing. If they would have followed that path where she was raped and Roman was the result of that rape to make more sense as to why she would uh, not want to be mom to him. I think that would have been a lot better to go off of because as it stands, we kind of get a, it seems like she might've been raped or forced into this sexual orgy thing. Then she had this kid and uh, maybe that's why she doesn't want to be around him. But we don't we don't get anything like definitive. Like someone needs to come out and say, yo mom, she's my mom, even though, she didn't want me at first and then she did, rejected me because i was a rape child or something you know it would have been much better and more clear for us mm. to understand her actions and also you know the traumatic effect of that whole thing would have also explained potentially her uh promiscuity well i think that's what they're saying is that the fact that she went through the origin but they're not saying it they're they're implying it making you Try and come up with that,
0: but they're implying it by slut shaming. Yes, exactly. Right. And this is the first, like, this is the most weirdly moralistic part of the whole three screen movies that we've watched because I don't remember this being a big thing before. Uh, You know, it's not until the very end of Screen One where Billy Loomis is like, "Well, I'm going to kill you because your mom's a hoe."
1: Well, and he got Sydney to sleep with him too, which was another
2: thing. And you were a hoe too.
1: Yeah, that was pretty much it. Like he even said that to her, I think. So, but I'm I'm with you, Ron. Like this movie has this movie series has never played itself up as this overly moralistic tale. Like they play with the rules of those movies. If you drink and screw and all that, you're going to get killed in a horror movie. Well, that works, and sometimes it doesn't. that's they've played that on its ears so many times. So now I'm like, well, now you're trying to like back up and be be volvo driving soccer mom. You're trying to be ultra conservative now. Like I don't I don't get it. It it doesn't doesn't make any sense. It doesn't pay off the motivations that we've already set up in the in the characters is what I'm trying to say. And then you splash it in there with these you know, gory kills and we got a friggin' explosion, guys. Like they shut the production down on the film, right? And so they start getting faxed line by line scripts, and the guy playing Dewey gets blown up in the house with gas. And I mean, like like blown up like. You know Independence Day style. That and they look like the house from *Lethal <laughs> Weapon* too. By the way, on the hill there, it, I mean, just evaporates in front of all of them as
2: they roll down the hill. It takes a lot of gas to do that, yeah. and not one of them smelled it. Yeah, nobody. They took the they took the odor out of the the natural gas. I mean, it's odorless gas. However, they put the the. Uh, Rotten egg smell in there so you know when it's happening.
1: Yeah, that's supposed to be the safety thing, right? And nobody caught it before the four minutes that it happened. It must have all been really high. Or drunk, or something. I don't know what. Like, is see that's what I mean. Like, we we do that scene because it looks cool, right? But it doesn't really serve any purpose. Like, there's no reason for that to have gone. Like, they could have just as easily, you know, hit that guy with a you know Final Destination flagpole style death versus blowing him to smithereens. I mean, he he evaporates in front of us.
0: In in some great two thousand CGI.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, bad bad CGI, but yeah, it's it's terrible. Like, but did you even care? Like, I had to think for a minute. I was like, now he play again? Oh yeah, he played Dewey. Eh, Who cares? You know? And I'm wondering like, why is not Dewey dead too? So I mean, maybe he should be. And Dewey like gets a clean shot at Ghostface. That's the other thing. Scott Foley's Roman Bridger takes like. Thirty rounds to the chest throughout this this film uh, bulletproof, bulletproof vest or proof. not bulletproof vest or not that many hits that's going to cause internal injury like those those plates stop it from entering you it doesn't stop the impact like that that is the, one of the most ridiculous things is that at the end where we have to shoot him forty five times
0: but yeah, it's like being hit with a baseball bat over it's- and over again. Every time he got shot, it was like somebody whacked him with a bat. After the first time, Dewey put six rounds in, and he's going to be like coughing up blood from his broken ribs.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we get nothing going on. McDreamy the cop sucks. You know, there's more. (laughs) There's more Marine pictures, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, Nev had a day off from drowning Mona and came on the set. And I'm like, oh, she's still wearing the frat letters. And I'm like, well, we're still holding up a candle for Derek. Never mind that we never mention him. We never mention anything that happened at Windsor, except when we get the Randy scene in a little bit. Like, none of this matters. And I feel like they brought her back on so that we could have this scene with the random sister. And I I read an interesting take online that said, this is the producers and the writers introducing the idea of the sibling you didn't know about before, before they reveal it in the third act. They do it in the second act (laughs) with the Randy. And I'm like, boy, somebody's really making up some time here because this just seems like we're sorry we killed Jamie Kennedy and we're going to put him back in the movie.
0: Yeah. And supposedly, um, Gail's inter- Gail's introductory moment where she's speaking to the assembled, uh, kids at a college is supposed to make us think of the college from the second one too. It doesn't, it <laughs> no. makes me think of the the far better scene. And this is going to be a weird statement. It made me think of the far better scene in, Halloween two, where Malcolm <laughs> McDowell is doing like a press conference, complaining about his latte.
1: That Halloween two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, it, it is a it's a better scene, and uh, a at least more interesting movie. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's better, but Halloween two, Rob Zombies, is more interesting than this. So, Randy
0: uh, has right. this. I'll take. Inter- I'll take the more interesting movie over this just all all day long because this is like watching toaster. I- Okay, so Randy has
1: a sister though, so that he can via videotape give us the rules of a
2: trilogy. And let me just ask you guys she like. She just randomly knows to show up that day.
1: Like, yeah, she, she sees this on the news and so she flies to LA or goes to LA. I guess Woodsboro is not that far away. Like, Woodsboro is supposed to be what? Orange County or something? So, so she comes over to LA, gets on a set, like, cause that's no big deal. I guess this is pre-9-11s. So you can just walk wherever the hell you want. Nobody cares. And so and look like that. And then, sorry, she Anna has her own trailer, Rosa. too. Right. Like, she's hanging out. <laughs> and she, the three rules of the trilogy, though.
0: I got to ask. I, us, I assume she was supposed to be, like, working at the studio. She looks like she's in high school still, though. Because, well, that would have been the obvious place for Randy to work. Right. Right. Like this would have been the point where you would have Randy come back into the picture and be like, "Hey, I'm doing makeup for whatever, or I'm a director of photography now, or hey, I'm shooting, I shot Schindler's List, or whatever, or, or he's
1: a PA on, you know, Death Queen Five, you know." Or well, he, like. does,
0: he does play the uh he does play a PA in. Isn't he in Jane Silent Bob Strike back as a PA?
1: I believe he is, yes. So, so we got a little double cameo action there. So let's talk about his rules though, before we talk about horror trilogies, because I got a whole problem with that. But the rules of the movie tril- the horror movie trilogy the killer is superhuman, supernatural, stabbing him won't work. You gotta blow him up, decapitate him. None of which happens <laughs> in the end of mm-hmm. this. Anyone, including the main character, can die. That means you, Sydney. except none of you are going to die as main characters. In fact, the people who die are people no one cares about except Parker Posey. And then the past will come back to bite you. Well, it's not your past coming back to bite you if you didn't know about it. Like that's the problem. It's not like Sydney had found out about this guy and just ignored it too. <laughs> she didn't know about this guy either. So that that doesn't make. Yeah, any none of sense. the three
2: rules came into play at all in this movie.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: None of them. It was so stupid. I think uh, I think Ron had it right. This was just a, a way to get Jamie Kennedy some work again.
1: I think it was to make up for the fact that they whacked a character everybody loved and they're like, oh crap, would everybody explain any of this anymore?
0: Who who yeah. would have who would have at least made this movie better by at least being more animated and interesting in his exposition dumps?
1: Exactly. Like he would have at least given you something to to like
0: here. He, he would have at least had some like nice weird energy. And everybody else like, even David Arquette seems like he's just kind of cashing a check. Oh, he seems bored. I, you know, I was watching this with my wife and I'm going,
1: What happened to Dewey's limp? And she's like, No, it's there. See? And I'm like, Oh, it's, it's kind of in that there.
0: one scene. But, like, it, it, but com- it comes and goes.
1: Yeah. But I'm like, But the maybe arm it, is fine. <laughs> I guess the scar well, tissue damage the scar reversed tissue it? helped them, Yeah. Can you have reverse scar tissue damage? I guess. Well, maybe they
2: actually took it out this time.
1: yeah we don't really get enough details on Dewey's uh, recovery you're right but no I mean really that that's the kind of thing though that is what I'm saying is so sloppy about this movie is it it doesn't make any sense you know it's it it just goes about and you're just supposed to go with it. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is that they make this big deal in the Randy video about horror trilogies. And I'm like, Wes Craven must like not watch horror movies. If he thinks all these things end on part three, like, can you name any good part three ones? I looked up on the internet. To see if there was like a list of them, and yes, Disgusting dot com has this list of horror trilogies, and I debate whether some of this is even like some of it's loosely strung together. The only one I could think of was the "I Know What You Did Last Summer" trilogy, and. The third one has but can nothing. Can you count
2: in the it. third one as part of it?
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah, I it's, don't know you either cuz it doesn't everything it's That's completely in Colorado. different, yeah. Yeah, it's in Colorado. So
2: it doesn't know. even have the characters. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I don't I, count that.
1: Yeah, I don't get but, it.
2: But hey, mm-hmm. there's only 8 more days to Halloween. <laughs> Hey, uh-huh. that was that was a good number three, but at this point <laughs> had nothing to do with ha- Halloween. Too, but had hey.
1: seven or eight versions of itself at
2: this point.
1: <laughs> so there's like, are there any horror trilogies?
0: If you're gonna have, if you're gonna have a movie with a world weary, exhausted looking cop, and, and you need a, a partner for McDreamy, why do you not just have Tom Noonan be in your movie? Thank you. Yes, so he could show up in his. Halloween three outfit. He could have that mustache. He could be constantly drunk. He would at least be entertaining, right? At least we'd have something to watch and like look at. Replace McDreamy with Tom Noonan. Keep the other guy. That's a good pairing of cops. I would watch that movie. But no, we we can't have that. You know, so or get the the cop from Night of the Creeps.
1: Yep, there you go. See, why can't you have? Yeah, it, look if they had had Tom Atkins in this movie, oh it would have automatically upgraded itself. But they couldn't even like spring for that, so at this point. So let's not hope for too much.
0: I'm moving for some reason, whatever. It's fine. Doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. Oh so, yeah, we're I, I followed you. You're fine. So we get yet another cameo for no reason or whatever. So we find out that uh Maureen had a, a really bad stage name, Rena Reynolds. Um
2: and she, from Carrie Fisher.
1: <laughs> yes who talk about another useless cameo just to have it. And from what and I understand, not Fisher. Yeah. But from what I understand was like, let me go ahead and fix this dialogue for you guys. So because it was so bad what they gave her to do. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll fix it. And in her own right was a good script doctor in town. So I, I get that, but, uh, what a,
2: she's very knowledgeable too, because she knew right. That, that file Prescott's was. name Real name, uh, but what she used a fake name.
1: Okay, so that's my question. I'm like, if this woman is this, like, you know, infamous or famous from Hollywood time or whatever, then you should be. Able, IMDb exists, guys. Go look it up. <laughs> like, Gail and her actress counterpart suck at using the internet.
2: Which is interesting since she used the internet to call 911 in the first movie. Right, yeah.
1: like we, We've had the pre-internet to do things. Now it's like we have to act dumb and like technology doesn't exist that we could utilize. That's a, it's another thing in this movie that feels lazy.
0: Got to get the file. And And to me, at a certain point, speaking of things that are lazy, why does anyone believe anyone when they call them on the phone? yeah like don't you at this, know at, at this, this point? point, if you're talking to who you think is Sydney, you need to have like all right, so this is gonna be our secret question and our secret answer so that way we know who's who. yeah all right, we, we gotta have so, a safety like, word on
1: the phone now, yeah,
0: right, so the bananas, all right, so that's your safety word, all right, so okay, Courtney Cox me and you, we need to have something that we can say, hey, I don't know it's you tell me something only I would know. And that would allow you to flesh out the Dewey and Gale relationship by giving them some sort of cute slash stupid story that nobody else would know. And it would it would kick that whole thing about hiding behind the door and having Liv Triver do some ADR or whoever do some ADR lines. It would take that voice changer out of the equation.
1: See, and wouldn't that have been better, at least in the second movie, we got notes on their relationship. We saw Had It Falling Apart. Dewey got on to her about it. She, you know, reconciled with him, apologized. They end up working together. He gets stabbed. Like, they don't do that this time at all. Like, they sort of split up and then, oh, hey, we're at the end of the movie. You know, so it's it's a total sham on their relationship like i don't buy it at all and when at the end he asks her to marry him i'm like that's just because that happened in real life and i'm sure that's the, well, conversation that, that's they had the too. part
2: about the that's the part about everything that makes zero sense is that at the end of the last movie she goes into the hospital goes to the hospital with him, right. looking like they're going to start up this relationship by this movie they hate each other's guts not talk to each other again for how long we don't really know but then at the end of the movie, they love each other so much that they want to get married? How the fuck does that make sense? <laughs> Again, it doesn't. I think it's one of those things that they threw in there like,
1: hey, these two are married in real life. The audience will think it's funny. Go with it, kids. It's meta, guys.
2: Yeah. They're not married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, that'll be a, a topic for discussion next show, but so now we get haunted. Sydney stuff here and I do think the part when like they have her walk on the set and it's her old bedroom and stuff and like she's like in awe of it I'm like that is actually kind of cool that's sort of fun if you've ever walked around like a, a set on a television show or a movie scene and see how good the facade is it's it's a little alarming sometimes especially if you know like what the real place looks like like it can be fun to do so I get that but then like this whole haunted mother thing and she's having these dreams about this and what is that supposed to do, like it, I know Randy says that bit about the supernatural thing, but they don't pay that off at all that is, how does Roman know that he can get in her head that way?
2: Well, I don't think Roman knows that per se. You gotta remember she had just taken a call from her mom on the phone who turned out to be ghostface right, so she's you remember she gets the phone call and she says that voice and and then. She keeps talking and realizes it's her mom's voice. So that kind of sets up the whole thing about, you know, how I mean, because the mom goes and berates her for a while before she knows it's not her. So that sets up in her mind psychologically uh, all these dreams I think she had.
1: She has the one dream and then she runs into mother a couple of different times, like on the, the
2: hallucin Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, she's covered up set. in a
2: frickin blanket.
1: Well, yeah, but that's like really somebody doing that to her is the way I read that is that, that yeah, was, I think
2: that was, that was Roman. Roman doing that. Yeah. yeah.
1: The The dream one is the one where she's at home and she falls asleep on the couch. You're right. But after right. that, it's Roman screwing with her. The next Absolutely. few times we see it. So I don't know. Of course he is. It just I don't and We, know. Couldn't, we couldn't
0: get one scene of Roman dressed as mother just to bring it all the way back around the psycho.
1: I think he was at the end. He rips the sheet off. Before he's in Ghostface mask and then he rips that off, so it's like double Scooby
0: Doo. I,
2: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, he's already I want, dead. Remember like,
0: wig and dress and and fake oh. boobs and everything. Oh, you like? You I don't want, want full fledged mother.
1: You wanted him to go full full Freddie <laughs> on drag. Yeah.
0: yeah, you wanted full
1: Freddie Highmore here. Is what you wanted. So exactly. Best, yeah. Well, no, that was not to come until many years later, only to end incredibly disappointingly. There's my four second review of Base Motel, but. So, so we, so we get to Milton's pleasure house of whatever, and all the cast roam about so that we can kill them all off finally. Uh, the poor black guy, Dion Richmond, doesn't even get killed on screen. Like we just discover his body laying by the pool, and I'm like, "No, That's... he
2: got thrown off. No, the he got thing, thrown I off thought. the thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I totally missed killed.
1: that. I totally missed that. That's how bad I zoned out of this. I'm
0: sorry. He I... lands with he lands with a loud enough crunching sound that we know he's not going to get up. <laughs> Absolutely. So okay, so
1: he cannot fly. Is what we learn. <laughs> by him. But everybody gets killed one by one. We learn that Emily Mortimer screwed Milton so she could get the part. Wooha, big shock there. Roman gets fake killed and then it we're all going on right, and I'm like, in the end when it's all revealed, Roman is like Phantom Menace style, baby. He's behind all of this, you know. And what I, I love what he lays out on Sydney, she's like, "I've heard this," and I'm like, "Yes, we have. Thank you, Nev. You just said what everybody's feeling at this moment."
0: Yeah, but does a lampshade does lamp shading it like that excuse it?
1: It's supposed to, but in my mind, if you're asking me, no.
0: I mean, you could have... this. There's no reason this movie's two hours long, number no. one. Uh, and number two, there's... It's not funny. It's not like, oh, that's cute. It's a meta thing because, you know, the other movies, blah, blah, blah. It, it doesn't work on that level. Like, I think they want it to work.
1: What about the twist that he's been behind it all at least behind the first one from the beginning. He doesn't cop to anything that went on at Windsor College, so I guess that really was Billy's mother. But and Mickey, right? But like he he's behind all of this. Like they retcon the first movie. I I hate that. It makes me hate the first movie. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> I think that was a bad move too. I mean, we don't need to know that he and Billy and Stuart were in it together. It's supposed to be this this
1: meta take on like, if the first movie was about screenwriters, you know, killing people, this is the director killing people. And I'm like, well, that's, that's dumb. Nobody cares about that. So I, it seemed half, half half-assed as an an excuse, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, it, it, it does not work. It just doesn't work at all. And it's not necessary. If you're gonna do that, do that. If you're gonna make him mad because Sydney got to have time with my, my mother, the whore, then make it that. <laughs> that could have been the, the, his memoir. He could have written and gone on
1: Ricky Lake or whatever. My mother, the whore. <laughs> I mean, really, look, this, uh, he's bitching about, I didn't have your suburban life. You're a freaking Hollywood director. You have awards. You're a millionaire, a hole. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what you're fussing about, but, oh, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense that. His his motivation. No, I get it. Like, I understand why he does it. it just, it's dumb. It's just like, man, just, is that all? Is that why you did all this? Damn, that's like wicked elaborate. So you could have just sued me, you know, or whatever. But And he doesn't even have an out, like. Yeah, what's the end game here? He's going to kill her. He's killed everybody. He's killed his career. The movie's shut down and the whole cast is dead. The producer I mean, said Yeah,
0: he says he's going to try to blame it on her, but that you just ruined your
2: shot at a movie. Apparently revenge is much better. Does it pay well? Do you get dental with that? you <laughs> <laughs> <he> eat revenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I got to know Maybe he's another cotton thinks that after he saves the day, he'll become famous. Maybe his movie career sucks.
1: (laughs) Well, he didn't have a movie career. He was a music video director, which I'm going to tell you, you can make a good living at that. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that have tried to cross over and went right on back, you know, (laughs) because yep, I can do that. No problem. So less studio interference, but I, I, you know, again, we get the, I'll tell you, uh, Patrick Dempsey takes a good beating, in the end here, I mean, he gets his nose cut off, he gets his arm broken, he gets the crap beat out of him, and and takes it pretty good, so... Uh, I like <laughs> ne- Nev Campbell fighting back a little bit. I like they gave a little bit of Ninja Sydney. We got a Do little. Do you bit like
2: of her killing someone? Else?
1: No, that's the, yeah. You know what though? She's killed two other people, man. So at this point, I can't have a qualm with that. But so two viciously. or three, yeah. She she stabs him with an ice pick. I kind of I kind of would have liked it if that would be how she killed him. If she stabbed him, not that he gets up and gets shot forty times by Dewey, so we can let Dewey get a kill in and he hits him in the head with that nine millimeter. Like that's that was just ridiculous is that once again, we have
0: the comeback for the last quote scare is, is the, is the use of the ice pick and another Sharon stone reference, the basic instinct thing. I didn't think about it, but yeah, it could be. Yeah. I mean, movie, I can't, it's, ice it's picking a, people throughout it, that movie.
1: It's oh. on a pun though. She's like, Stabs the name of your movie or whatever, <laughs> you know, like that's supposed to be how it works. Like, there's three or four different endings. I don't know if you guys saw any of the alternate ones or whatever, they're not any better than what this one was. Like, one of them he dies on the stabbing, another one she shoots him with the little Derringer. It's you know, it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> Why would she not have gotten some sort of like self defense training at this point? Why does she not know like Krav Maga? Oh, she
1: does. Like, she's got
0: a, another gun hidden on her that he didn't know
1: about. She does some karate stuff on him. Like, Nev's, like, bad A in this movie. I, I totally got that. They just don't, again, she's not in it enough for us to learn any of this stuff. But
0: if, I I don't, I don't get why Wes Craven vetoed making her full Linda Hamilton. If she's full Linda Hamilton, this movie is at least slightly better like, I would have loved it if he'd been like, ha this is my evil plan, and now I'm going to stab you to death. And she just starts breaking his arms and legs. And just, like... <laughs> she completely, like... Gives him the him ending down. of Death Proof and, and just beats him to death.
1: That would have been something. It would have made the character stronger instead of doing that weepy-cry stuff that she always does at the end of these. But
0: Like, she should be, like, covered in blood, 1000 yards there like... Thumbs embedded in his eye sockets while he's screaming and like staring down at like a staring up at like a horrified Dewey and Gale Weathers. Like, that's
1: that's if Rob Zombie directed the last act of this. That <laughs> <West> was Craven <laughs> couldn't have pulled that off. <laughs> you know how awful that would have looked <laughs> if he had tried to shoot that. So, Sixty million dollars or no, that would have been awful. I think he's wasted here. Gale has nothing to do in this finale. Nothing except crawl around on the wall looking for a secret panel. Like, she is pointless in this. In other words, she should have been dead. And if you're going to give Dewey a kill, at least have him have a reason. Besides, he's protecting his old buddy, Sidney. You know? Because they just sort of show up after she stabs him. And like, oh, hey, are, are we, do we miss anything? You know? And then he, he unloads a gun, you know? So we, Because we have to have them do something heroic. And this is one time Dewey doesn't get stabbed. So, yay!
2: Yeah, what the heck? I was hoping for it. I mean third time's the charm. <laughs>
1: is that what you wrote? It's before? become
2: it's become uh, you know, it's become part of the movie written. You gotta have Dewey get stabbed somewhere. Well, he
0: he rolled down the side of a mountain and apparently was fine. So at right. this point I don't think you can kill him with conventional weapons.
1: He's as indestructible as the ghost face guy is <laughs> most of the time. And just about as bumbling. So uh, which is why we're always supposed to suspect him, but yeah, they do drop. I'll go ahead and say, like spoiler, alert, they do drop that in the fourth one. He's no longer bumbling and stupid, probably because Arquette can't do that crap anymore because he's too old. So,
2: <laughs> so he's, he's like a former WCW champion. He's I, be, I bet, like I it.
1: bet in the negotiations, he's like, look, I was WCW champion. I'm not doing pratfalls anymore. <laughs> so, I, mean, I can see the negotiations now. So.
2: I beat Ric Flair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh you didn't say that. that's not true.
2: Yeah. I beat Eric Bischoff.
0: <laughs> that's partially true. He should have, like, he should have in the fourth one. He should have busted out like a moonsault or something. thrown some suplexes or something.
1: Something have Scott Con drive on the set just for old times' sake, ready to rumble <laughs> something, but. I guess he was doing Hawaii Five O at that point, but whatever. So, um which he is very good in that by the way. But anyway, so we we get our our end here. More Cox and Arquette Love. I I love this speech because I feel like it's probably what he said in real life. Look, it'll never work, but maybe it will or something. You know, it sounds like I bet that was just as awkward and in real life uh, for them. and But tell me why the detective Kincaid and Sydney wound up together. Did you get any romantic tension off
2: the two of them? No, I didn't. <laughs> not at no. all. No, I got none. I'm like, why in fact, they... <laughs> I thought she was more suspicious of him than anything else. I'm
1: like, why would you hang out with that dude at the end of this? Like, that's no, that's not... Where you're gonna go, and and what's with that ending too? It's like you'll have to come watch the movie if you want to know what it is. I'm like at that point, I'd be like, "Look, mofo, no secrets,
2: okay? We don't do that." If you're anymore. playing a scary movie, I'm gonna slice you. If,
1: if you're playing one of your damn stab games, this is over. All
2: right, we're, yeah, ma- we're remember, in the we're in the mountains. On stab one and two there.
1: Yeah, we're in the so mountains. I will this. send you to the mountain lions. <laughs> There's no, I got no <laughs> problem locking that gate. But she right. leaves. But the-
2: I guarantee you.
0: I guarantee you any studio run by Roger Corman had made a movie out of what they'd shot of stab three. There was a stab three release.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure there was. Well, we'll find out in the next one. There was not only a three, there was all the way to a seven, but another, a, another day on Donahue, as they say, well guys, I think it's time where we wrap up our shoot here on screen three. So what are your final thoughts and popcorn ratings for the film? Brian, we'll start with you.
2: Wow. Um, you know, the weird thing is, I know I've seen these movies multiple times, but for the life of me, I couldn't remember this one either. And the, the last one I didn't remember a lot on. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't remember hardly anything off of this movie, Rewatching it again now. And I was going into it thinking that this is one of the ones I actually liked. Well, I guess the only one I actually liked was the first one, but... Um, man what a mess i guess is the best word to put it um this is a small popcorn for me i don't know that i'll ever watch it again and i'm not really sure i want to watch number 4 now <laughs> <laughs> ron
0: yeah this is de- this is definitely a small popcorn for me too and i can safely say that i'm not going to watch it again uh i'd i'd much rather spend two hours watching the first two episodes of scream, the MPV series. Cause it's better than this. Uh, this was just, it, it, it's a blatant cash grab. It, it feels like it. Nobody's invested any kind of energy or effort into this. Um, and Aaron Kruger may be the worst screenwriter to make several hundred million dollars.
1: Yeah, he's joining a a very interesting club of people that make things that no one seems to like, but they all make hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office. So (laughs) uh, I'm with you guys. Look, it's small popcorn city and it's, it's worth, and I'll say it right now. I've only seen the fourth one once, but this one is by far the worst one in the series. Like there's no way that next one can be anything as dumb and convoluted and contrived as this. It is a production that shouldn't have happened when they couldn't get their stars, they couldn't get Williamson or didn't want to wait on him. It, it just shouldn't have done. The director didn't want to be there. And I kind of wonder if maybe they had gone with somebody else in the, in the helm chair that it might've worked better. I don't know. The script didn't really help them much. There wasn't a lot to go from. They tried to be funny. They weren't funny and it just was a bunch of slaughter for no reason's sake. And again, that twist just doesn't, This doesn't work. They don't, and it could have. That's the thing is I, I want to say it's, it's like as dumb as that seems, like the brother you didn't know, whatever. That actually could have worked if they played it right, but they did it all wrong here. And it's not Scott Foley's fault and it's not Nev Campbell's fault. Uh, Nev Campbell, Scott Foley and Parker Posey deliver the best performances they possibly could in this piece of garbage, but this movie sucks all the way. It's small popcorn, horrible. Uh, I, and I'm with you guys. I don't know that I ever want to see this one again. The second one I could probably watch again because there's, least enough to go with there. This one, no way it's just bad and not even so bad. It's good. It's just bad. Just dumb.
0: Yeah. The second, the second one's got really good. Laurie Metcalf and it's got really good Jamie Kennedy, which is the weirdest thing I think I've ever said. (laughs) Right.
1: When Jamie (laughs) Kennedy would save your movie, that just tells you everything you need to know about how low you've gone. But we've got one more chapter here, guys scream four, and, and we're going to talk about those TV shows too next time, Ron, because I've got thoughts on those. I know you do too, but, uh, Scream 4, man, like when they brought it back, I thought, wow, they're going back to the well here. I don't know how it's going to work. I saw it, though, and it came out, and I remember it very specifically. So it'll be fun to revisit that one next time around. Um, As everybody gets a lot older and everything gets more hipper and millennial. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But folks, thanks again for joining us on this podcast. Of course, you can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. And also on your uh, iTunes feed. If you like the show, please leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. Until next time, for Brian and Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Strip.
0: Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.